Well, again, men in the room, my final warning to you, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. This is, if I could have a sign above me or that sign, I'd be like, meep, 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 warning, warning. Okay, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. So I don't know whatever excuse you have to come up with. If you need foot cream or something, I'm going to go run on Walmart uh, to get some foot cream. Get a card, okay? Um, flowers, listen, that's ridiculous how much you're charging for flowers right now. I'm not going to promote that, but... Uh, do something with your, your bride. Do something to just uh, share the love. I, I know there's uh, a lot going on, but it's something that we can really take the time to say, hey, I want to make this moment and uh, just appreciate that time together. So we're going to continue in this series that we started last week called Love and Money, and uh, just talking about the the connection, the things that Jesus spoke on the most in the New Testament were love and money. He talked about a lot, really trying to get people to understand what matters what matters? And we spent a lot of time last week talking about a rich young ruler uh, who, who Jesus commanded. He said, listen, you got to go sell everything you own and give it to the poor. Uh, and, and, you know, we said, hopefully that's not for everybody. But I love that, that quote by R.H. Gundry, who said that the only people who are comforted by the fact that this isn't for everybody is probably those who Jesus would say this to. And we need to remember that, that this is not about us building an empire for ourselves, living life for consumption, but living life to love. And so being that it's going to be Valentine's Day tomorrow, I really wanted to spend some time talking about the love aspect of this today. And we're going to be going to the book of Ruth. All right, so we're going to go into the Old Testament here and talk about this wonderful woman of God uh, who really... When you look at her life, when you look at who she is, in the midst of a male-dominated society, she has no rights, nothing, but she's a heroine of this story. Uh, She shares her life with someone else. And if I can give you just a little bit of background here, uh, Ruth is a Moabite woman, okay? Now, the, the Moabites were not supposed to be married to anybody who was an Israelite. There was some bad blood between them, and there was a period where God says, hey, for 10 generations, you can't marry anybody from from the country of Moab. That passes finally, but obviously there's just a stigma. They don't like Moab. But there's a famine, so this family goes into Moab, and they're living there for a while. While they're there, these sons, they marry these girls that are Moabite, but the father and both of the sons die. Everybody say, that's sad. No, not all. So, the the husband, Elkanah, and his two sons, they, they die, and this leaves his widow and it leaves his two sons' widows, the three ladies living in Moab, with nothing. They've got nothing. There's no government assistance. There's nobody they can contact because they don't have any food. There's nobody that they can contact because they don't have any rights. There's nothing that they can do. And so they, they kind of suffer through it for a little while until it reaches a point where they hear some good news. Things are going well in Israel. And Naomi, the wife, says, I'm going to go back to Israel and to my people. And she says to her daughters-in-law, listen, it, it's probably better if we just part company. We'll read this here in Ruth chapter 1, verses 10 through 17. And they said to her, no, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together and Orpah, that's one of the daughter-in-laws, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. 
But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. This is an incredible moment. I want us to take a few moments here to just really unpack this to see what's going on because there's something much more significant than just Ruth likes her mother-in-law. How many of you like your mother-in-law? If she's here, don't, you know, you should definitely raise your hand. Just mother-in-laws are like, what did they say? I love my mother-in-law, right? Uh, so it's, it's not just about love for your mother-in-law, okay? It's not just about commiserating. Uh, they're within their legal rights to say, hey, uh, you know, this has not worked out. My husband has died. I'm going to go back to my family. Perhaps something else will come about in my life, and, and God will work things out for the good. And, and there's, there's just, it's very reasonable that they should part company like this. So Orpah, who is the one daughter-in-law, she says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to my family. No big deal. But Ruth looks at her mother-in-law, Naomi, and has these two thoughts simultaneously. Number one, if I leave her, she has no one. She has nothing. She has no people. She has, she's lost it all. And, and I have such love for her in my heart that I want to be where she is. And so she makes a covenant with Naomi. And I want to talk about covenants for just a second here because when you read in the Bible, you come across covenantal speech all the time. You can identify it through these two key phrases. Number one, if you. Number two, then I. So you read this all the time in Scripture. God says, if you do this, 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 and this, then I will do this, 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 and this. I'll pour out my blessing. And then he turns it around to talk about if you break the covenant. He says, but if you do this, 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 and this, then I will do this, 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 and this. You read it through Scripture over and over and over again. If you, then I. And this is covenantal relationship. If you will, it's a, a legally binding contract between people. It's a contract between God and his people where he says, if you obey me, if you serve me, if you put me first, if you follow me, if you trust me, then I will bless you. Then I will increase you. Then I will cause you to multiply and you'll become a great nation. All of these things that God says. Now, we see covenantal relationship all over through the scripture, but there's one aspect that is spoken of that does not use this if you, then I. Anybody want to guess what it is? Love. There is a covenant of love that we see in scripture that is not predicated on the same language of you have to do this in order to get this, and if you don't do this, you won't receive love. It doesn't exist. In fact, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably uh, heard 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud or rude or self-seeking, it always delights and in, in rejoices in good, it does not delight in evil, and love always perseveres, all of these things that we hear about as we read through it. They're great things, but nowhere in there does it say, if this person is worth loving, then love them this way. It doesn't say, if you are this way, then you'll receive love. It doesn't say, if you do this, any of these things. And this is what Ruth is doing in this moment when she speaks to Naomi. 
She offers herself in covenantal relationship to Naomi that does not have any boundaries to it. She's not saying, if you'll watch over me, if you'll take care of me, if you'll continue to be my family, if you'll bless me, if you'll, if you'll say I'm yours, and if there's no if statement there, she goes straight into this is what I'm going to do. And what is her statement to her? She says, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And then she seals it with a promise to the Lord. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Probably if you've been at a wedding, you've heard that statement too. Until death do us part. Now it's Valentine's Day. Look to your honey. She's here. He's here. See, I'm so glad I've got you till death do us part. You got to smile when you say it. I'm so glad. There you go. Hugs around. I'm loving it. Praise the Lord. This is really unique in Scripture because love is a very specific offering that God gives to us and a very specific offering that he asks us to model for each other. Because we like to think in covenantal ideas. If somebody is nice to me, I'll love them. If somebody loves me, I'd love them back. If someone treats me with kindness, I'll show kindness. Maybe even looking at it in terms of what we read in 1 Corinthians 13. If someone were to choose to not be rude or proud or self-seeking, if they would choose to be forgiving, if they would be kind and generous, if they would not be boastful, then I would reciprocate that, right? Doesn't that kind of the way that we think about love? But the biblical definition of a love covenant is a decision that God himself made to love us unconditionally. Every other relationship, every other agreement that God has with humanity is conditional. It's if you, then I. But his love is unconditional. He says, my love for you does not have a set boundary that there's never going to be a point in time where God says, you did this, so I don't love you anymore. You, you messed up and did this, so I'm not going to love you anymore. God never says that anywhere else, anywhere in scripture because his love for us is unconditional. His blessing is conditional. His, the things that he offers, they're, they're conditional, but not his love. And he says, I want you to learn to love the same way that I do. And so, you know, to us, it's a great Hallmark card, you know, to talk about unconditional love. Maybe it makes a good story or something like that. I don't know why the Hallmark movies always have to start with some jerky guy that finally comes around and then they fall in love and everything's fine, right? I, like, why do they put up with these guys? I guess maybe just all guys are jerks in the beginning. It's, it could be. Don't say anything. Just let it go. Covenantal love is unconditional love. And Ruth made this decision in regards to Naomi. And this is why her story is so incredible because there are a lot of things in life that we ask the question, what do I get out of this? Ruth is not going to get anything out of this. She's just making a decision. I'm going to love. I'm, I'm going to choose to love my mother-in-law. You know, I think for some of us, probably most of us, we have people in our lives, can we just be honest, are not super easy to love. Is that fair? Anybody know anybody? Just me, it's fine. I know a couple people who are difficult to love, all right? 
Some of you are in this room. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Love is unconditional. Meaning that I don't just love people who are easy to love. I don't just love people who are nice to me. I don't just love people who are so kind and compassionate, and gracious and merciful to me. But I model the love of Christ by making the decision to love unconditionally as he did. And so Ruth makes this decision and she binds herself in contract, if you will. I mean, she's swearing right hand to God, may the Lord punish me severely if I do not remain faithful to you and love you as I have promised. We all talk about that kind of love maybe on our wedding day. Man, you know, th- those kind of things. But God says, no, this is the kind of love that should be in every relationship in your life, this unconditional love. And so she binds herself to Naomi and they head back to Israel. But guess what? They have no rights. They have no people. They, ha- they go back to her hometown, but they don't really have anything. And so because Ruth loves Naomi and, and Naomi says of herself, I'm not putting words in her mouth, she says, I'm old. I need somebody to care for me. And Ruth says, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to take care of you. I am going to be, I will be your people and I will be with you until I die. I'm going to take care of your needs of whatever it takes. Well, in this instance, whatever it takes is that Ruth has to go out into the fields where people are harvesting and she has to try and work all day long to pick up the scraps just so that she and Naomi will have something to eat. And you'll read about this through the rest of chapter uh, 1 in the beginning of chapter 2 where she has to go and it says she's going behind them and then they're just little bits and pieces that get left on the ground. She's scraping the crumbs off the ground to get some food together. Well, this, this handsome older gentleman, if you will, by the name of Boaz owns this field. And he shows up and he looks and he sees Ruth out in the field and she's working and he asks, you know, who is that? Who's that lady? I don't, I don't recognize her. And they say, oh, that's, you know, that's Ruth. She came back with Naomi. You know, her, her and her husband died, her father. And it was a really tragic story, but she's doing her best to take care of her mother-in-law. And so he says to his workers, don't, you know, don't, don't make sure that you, you know, don't bother her. Leave some stuff behind for her. Bless her. Take care of her. And then we read this in Ruth chapter 2 verses 8 through 12. He goes to speak to her himself. It says, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather the grain and don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked, for I am a foreigner. Now remember, we said that Ruth is a Moabite, okay? Israelites don't like Moabites. There's this animosity between them. So she's falling. What have I done to deserve such kindness? Here's what Boaz says. Yes, I know. He says, basically, I know you're a foreigner and I shouldn't be showing you kindness. But I also know everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. What's he saying? I've heard about you. There is something different about you. You are not like everybody else. 
He's looking at her and says, Ruth, I, I, you know, you, you would be better off in your own home country. Isn't this, you know, the temptation for all of us? You know, the worldly advice that we have to contrast with godly advice sometimes, right? Well, we'll tell people, hey, you'd be better off to cut ties and, and just, you know, look after you, take care of you. That's sometimes the worldly advice that we hear from people especially in situations where you're dealing with somebody who's difficult to love. You'd be better off just cut your ties and, and, and go. And he's looking at her, he says, Ruth, I, there's something different about you. You're a Moabite. I, I mean, we here in Israel, we don't, we don't have anything to do with Moabites. And, and you left your people, you left your home, you left what could have been a better situation for you, and you put yourself into a worse situation all for the sake of love. And he's just so in awe of this. He's so in awe of this. And this is that reputation of love. And, and you know, God has a reputation for being loving, right? How many of you would say God has a, a good reputation for being loving, right? How many of you know someone in your lives who you would say that person, that person has a reputation of being loving? They have a reputation of being loving. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week and this idea of love and money. I said, you know, I've never been to a funeral in my life, and I've been to a lot of them, believe me. I've never been to a funeral where someone stood up and the thing that they wanted to share about their lost grandmother, grandfather, father, mother, whatever it is, is how much money they had in their bank account. They've never talked about how big their house was, how nice their cars were. They've never brought up any of those things. But what people talk about when we're remembering someone who has passed is their generosity and their love. And they stand up and say, Grandma was so loving. Grandpa was so loving. He'd give you the shirt off of his back. He was so awesome. These are the things that we remember, that reputation of love that sticks forever, that legacy that is built just because we're modeling the love that God has given to us. And so Boaz comes across her, this woman who really, she doesn't have much hope for her future. She, she's like, I've chosen to just kind of be at the mercy of my situation. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to try to love the best that I can. I, I'm going to go where I have to go. I've already made the commitment to, to love unconditionally. Uh, today, loving unconditionally means working 12 hours in a hot, smelly field, scraping food off the ground. How many of you, when the idea of love comes up, that's what you're picturing, right? You will not see that in a Valentine's Day card. I love you so much, I would scrape food off of the dirt for you. Maybe we should make that one. Be different. That's not how we define love. But, you know, we have an idea of what, our, what it looks like loving you is, you know, and I love um, Gary Chapman, great book, The Five Love Languages, talks about how you know, everybody has a different way that they love, and predominantly, the only way we think to love others is through the way that we feel love from people. And, and so that's what people do, but she says, no, love's going to look different today. Today, love looks like leaving my family. Today, love looks like leaving behind comfort. Today, love looks like leaving behind what could have maybe been a better future for me. Today, love looks like going out into a field in the hot of day and scraping crumbs off of the ground because I care about somebody. Today, love looks like the sweat on my brow. Today, love looks like this. And, and you know, these aren't things that we see in Hallmark movies. But these are, this is what love looks like. Love is sometimes a hard and laborious work, and this is what Ruth is doing in this reputation that precedes her that Boaz hears about, and he's like, there's something different about you, Ruth. You don't just love like other people love, like, oh, I love you. 
You're out here grinding on your hands and knees to make sure that your mother-in-law, who is a foreigner and a stranger to you, while you live in a strange country among a people that are not yours, you're down on your hands and knees loving like that today. Church, that is unconditional love. And I think for a lot of us, would be like, I did not sign up for loving through being on my hands and knees scraping the dirt. I did not sign up for being out here in a field in the heat of day, sweating like a crazy person for love. God says this is what it looks like. And Boaz notices her, and, and there's a neat thing about Boaz, something you can research, I don't have time to go into today, but he is what they call a kinsman redeemer. Meaning, he is in charge in his family that if anything happens to a member of his family, the large part of his family, it's his job to go and make it right. So because Elkanah, her father-in-law, has died, it's his job. He's like, I'm supposed to go buy the land. I'm supposed to do this. But then he remembers there's somebody else who's ahead of me. And so Boaz, he goes and he talks with this guy and he says, listen, uh, I'm sure you heard about Ruth, man. Her reputation for love is amazing. I'm, I'm, I know you know who she is. And he says, yeah, I've heard of her. And he says, well, somebody needs to redeem her situation. They need to buy her property and marry her. Well, the, the other guy, he's like, I want the property, but I got to be honest, I got enough of my own wife. I don't need any more of that. I'm good. If, if, I have to, if this is like a package deal and I got to get another wife with the property, you just take it, bro. You go ahead. And so Boaz, that's what he wanted. So he's like, okay, you know, hey, if that's what you want, I'll take care of it. Now, you know, I don't want you to be stressed. I'll, I'll, I'll buy the field. I'll redeem it. I'll marry this girl. That's fine. All the, the people of the city, they see it and they're just like, yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. And they are all in agreement. So Boaz goes back and he marries Ruth. He's so impressed by her reputation of love. And there's a lot of other things that kind of unfold there. But he sees her and he's just so moved by her, so moved by this unconditional love. And he's like, if this woman could love her mother-in-law like this, to be out here in a field on her hands and knees scraping the ground for love, if she would show kindness to me like that, she's worthy of any price. And listen, this is what happens. Long, long, long time later, we can read about this in the book of Matthew chapter 1. I don't typically read genealogies, but this one's worth reading. The people of Israel go all the way back to a man named Abraham. So we'll start with Abraham. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll read verse 16. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. We hear that all the time. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab, Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon, Salmon was the father of Boaz. All right, we've got all down through the lineage of Boaz, right? Whose mother was Rahab, another really awesome story, but we can't tell that right now. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Now, I'm going to skip because it's 26 more generations. It would take a long time to read. So just kind of like, you know, you'll see that thing on the screen 26 generations later. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Let me put this in short term for you. 
Ruth, who was a Moabite, who had every reason and excuse to leave her, fa- leave her mother-in-law and say, listen, hey, it was good while it lasted. Uh, you know, you be on your way. I'm going to go do what's right for me. But because she chose to love unconditionally and bind herself to Naomi through that love covenant, because that reputation of love preceded her and Boaz heard about her and married her, she becomes part of the lineage of Jesus. She's part of the lineage of kings. Okay, did you hear that? King David is her great-grandson. Greatest king of all of Israel's history. Every king that you read about in First and Second Kings, it's like there was David and there was everybody who either came close to measuring up to David who was nothing like David. He is the benchmark of awesomeness and that's her great-grandson. And she's grafted in to the greatest story that's ever been told in the history of the world that leads to Jesus coming to the earth And she's part of that story because she made a decision to love unconditionally. You know, the reward of love is not something that we can quantify concurrently. We can't really look at what we're going through right now and what love looks like today and have any clue what it's going to bring for tomorrow. We had uh, Pastor Aaron Holt with us a couple weeks ago. Many of you remember him? Oh, he was so awesome. I really enjoyed you know, hearing from him. And he shared with us the night before that um, he was just really in awe of his wife's grandfather and grandmother. They've been married for over 50 years, and, and his grandmo- her grandmother got polio when they had been married about 12 years, and she was left in a wheelchair. She couldn't do anything for herself. And there was a a newspaper article that hung in their home because on their 50th wedding anniversary, the people of the town knew kind of about her grandmother and grandfather, and they came to do an interview because for 40 years, this man had to get up in the middle of the night and carry his wife to the bathroom so she could go to the bathroom. He'd get up in the morning and carry her to get her dressed and set her up with food for the whole day. Then he'd go to work all day long and he'd come home and he'd make dinner and he'd make all the preparations and get ready for the next day and get her ready for bed and carry her and put her into bed. And he did this for over 40 years. And the news article they asked him, they're like, what's your secret? Like, how do you love like that? How, how, how is it possible for you to love like that? And at this point, we're all thinking, oh man, I'm about to hear something. This is going to be really good. And here's what he said. I just kept showing up every day. That's it. This is what love looks like today. Today it looks like carrying my wife from the bed to the wheelchair, from the wheelchair to the bathroom, from the bathroom to getting her dressed. This is what it looks like today. You know, we're so often sitting and looking, well, where's all this leading to? Where's it going to get me? What's the end result and it's so overwhelming, we, we, we just can't quantify it. There's no way to know. But we do know this. Ruth could have done the same thing that Orpah did. And she'd have been justified. It wouldn't have been wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying she'd have done anything wrong. But Ruth could have been like, you know what, Naomi, Naomi you're right. I'm just going to go back to my family. That's probably the best thing. You know, you're right. That's good wisdom. I'm going to do that. 
But instead, she bound herself to Naomi in love, and she said, no, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. Where you are buried, I will be buried. And may God punish me severely if I don't hold to this. You know, when she made that statement, I'm just going to go on a limb here. You could judge me if it's wrong. I don't think that she had in mind, you know, if I do this, there's going to be a king birthed out of this. Hmm. I'm going to make this decision because if I do this, some great king is going to be raised up for the people of Israel. I'm a Moabite, but I'm really interested. And it'll be awesome. And, and then out of that lineage, you know, 26 generations later or, you know, several hundred years, there could be like a Messiah that's born who changes the world forever. I'm just going to go out on a limb that that probably wasn't in her thinking. No, she just made the simple decision. Today, love looks like this. You know, and I, I don't know what love looks like for you today. I know that in this room, there are many different situations in our lives. And, and I know there's a temptation to look at some of those situations through the same language of other covenants. Well, if they did this, then I would do this. If they acted this way, then I would act that way. If they, then I. If they... But there is no language like this in the covenant of love because it's unconditional. And my challenge to you is this, that there will always be a temptation to want to reflect, to reciprocate a love that we're looking for. But it's not going to be found among the people that you live with. It's not going to be found among the people that you serve or your coworkers or your neighbors or any of those things. The love that you need to learn to reciprocate is the unconditional love that God has for us. And if you could get a hold of that kind of love in your life and start to say, you know what, I'm going to love people that way. I'm going to love people unconditionally. I'm going to make the decision that today love's going to look like this. And I don't know what love's going to look like tomorrow. But I'm going to do what <clears throat> Pastor Aaron's grandfa grandfather said. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm just going to show up. I don't know what love looks like today, but I'm going to show up. I don't know what love is going to look like for tomorrow. That's kind of just too much for me to even think of. I'm just going to show up today, and I'm going to love today, and I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to make any kind of promises that out of your simple obedience, some king is going to be raised up because I can't measure the impact that it has. But I can tell you this, if you walk away from the opportunity to love unconditionally, like Ruth could have done, she wouldn't be part of this incredible story of God's redemptive salvation for the world. And if you turn and walk away from an opportunity to love like God, to love the world around you in ways that may be dirty, smelly, stinky, hard, that in the midst of that simple obedience, God might do something that maybe doesn't come to pass in your lifetime. There's a seed that you're planting every time. I'm going to love unconditionally. I'm going to love unconditionally. I'm going to build that reputation of love, the reputation of God's love. And I'm going to wait because whatever the reward is, it's going to be to the glory of God, not for me. So church, can I challenge you in that? You know and you know alone what love looks like in your life right now. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it's some other situation. I, I don't know. I don't know what love looks like for you today. Can I encourage you in this just because it looks hard? That just because it, it looks 
smelly or like it's beneath you or just because you've been tempted by that same covenant speech to think they don't deserve it. They haven't loved me the way I should be loved. They haven't done the things they should have done. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't, so I'm not. Listen, don't give in to that temptation because true love is truly unconditional. It's the love that God has for us and the love he calls us to have for each other. Will you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you so much for the great love that you have for all of us. And Lord, if we were to be honest with ourselves, we should be so glad every day of our lives that your love is not conditional. If your love was conditional, God, none of us in this room would have any hope. We would all be lost forever. But because you love unconditionally, because you chase after us even when we're running from you, because you leave the 99 to come after the one, me, and have that kind of love, God. It's changed my world. It's changed our world, Lord. And God, I thank you for this incredible example that Ruth gave to us. This commitment to love, even when it's difficult. This commitment to love when it hurts. When it costs everything. I thank you that you are a rewarder of love. You reward your people. And even though that reward might not come to us or in our lifetime, that there is a reward that honors you because the love that we have, God, is making, uh, planting a seed into the generations that will come. And every time we choose to love others over self, we plant the love of God in the world around us. I just want to ask as we're in prayer this morning, and maybe you're here and as I've been speaking this, you know in and of yourself, your own life, your own situation. Maybe there are points in your life you're like, I, I know maybe I've been tempted to think more about love as being conditional. But I want to love unconditionally. I want to love the people around me, not because they deserve it, but because God planted a love in me that he wants to use for his glory. And that's your, I just want to ask you to slip up a hand so I can pray for you this morning. Thank you, thank you. Anybody? Yep, thank you. Thank you, thank you. God, help me to love in my situations unconditionally. Anybody else? Thank you. Will you stand with me? I want to pray over you and just pray that God would help you to make that decision. But listen, we can pray and then we have to do. And I don't know what that looks like for you this afternoon. But I pray that as God makes it known to you that you're going to walk out and you say, okay, God, where you call me to go, I'll go. Where you call me to stay, I'll stay. What you ask me to do, I'll do because I want to share your love. So Lord, I just pray for each person in this room today, God, Lord, that you would fill us as your people with unconditional love. Lord, I pray over the hard situations. I pray over the, the dirty, smelly, difficult situations of our lives, God, where it's not been easy to share love the way that you desire us to share it. And I pray, God, that as we look at this example of Ruth and ultimately your love in our lives, that we would make the decision to go out and love as you do. Lord, I pray for each one who raised their hand and said, I want to start to love unconditionally. God, give them the grace to love unconditionally. Help us, Lord, to love the way that you do. To not sit around and wait for someone else to love us or to do things that we think would be deserving of our time or attention, but to make the decision that I want to share the love of Christ with everyone I know. Fill us, Lord, with your love. 
and cause us to be merciful to the world around us. We give you glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, you get to go and do. You get to share the love of Jesus. If you need prayer this morning, our prayer team will be here up at the front. If you'd like to meet with someone that they can share with you or pray over you, uh, they'll be up here to meet with you. But Lord bless you and love on one another as you leave today.